0: Everybody and welcome
1: to episode 98. Two, five, and 10. We got a good one on our hands. What up, Benny? You, you guys might hear some squeaking in the background. That's not me. That's uh, Kobe with one of her new toys that she loves now. It's a, a duck toy. But um, no, I'm doing all right. We we're talking before the podcast about dog food. So very exciting sh- stuff going on. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say fatherhood at its finest. It's funny how it changes, pal. <laughs> yeah, and. We were talking about this morning how cold it was and, you know, she's a puppy so I get it, but you take her outside and the one difficulty about living in a city is all the noises or people. Like, she just about gets ready to find a good spot to go to the bathroom and all of a sudden, ooh, a car drove by. What's the car go- doing? And Squirrel. it's like, ah, oh, now we have Squirrel. to start over from Squirrel. scratch again. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's
0: It is very difficult. Yeah, I had Joey <laughs> outside in the yard today and, I mean, my hands, like, I work outside and i'm usually pretty good my hands were frozen i didn't go out with any gloves on and i'm like buddy like you gotta <laughs> shit and you have to shit now like let's go let's go
1: yeah but the uh lucky part was the first walk this morning the coldest part of the day with the wind like even she didn't want to be outside so she was quick but it was the rest of the day when i'm like yo come on it's so cold like fucking move it
0: well Speaking of getting a move on and getting out of the cold, uh, the Montreal Canadiens (laughs) said au revoir, I think that's how you say it, to uh, Claude Julien. They have officially got rid of Claude Julien and Kirk Mueller and, oh my God, just based on his name, is now the interim head coach. Uh, Dominic uh, Ducharme. Yeah, Ducharme I love Dominic too I, I, I've loved all of his shit he's done for Team Canada I was uh, really upset with myself there for a sec as to I'm um, like his name I was like I see his face his name I just spaced but yeah <laughs> Dominic comes in I thought this was strange but according to others not so much I thought the Canadians were doing all right but apparently after you lose games back to back to Ottawa you get fired that's the way the National <laughs> Hockey League works and to me, I didn't really see it coming. And then you hear these rumblings from, for example, Dale Weiss on Twitter, uh, overdue or long overdue. And then you hear the rumblings of Mark Bergervan reached out to the team for their thoughts. And Shea Weber gave his opinion. And then Claude was gone. So yeah. what do you make of all this coming together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised by it just because I think... Obviously the expectations for the team were higher this year than it was last year with the additions of Anderson and Edmondson, uh to Foley guys like that. So I think Bergman came into the year and fans came into the year saying, All right, we got a pretty good team here. We're solid in goal. We have a legit backup now, uh, to carry price and Jake Allen, and we're gonna be tougher to play against. That's one of the reasons why they brought in big guys like Edmondson and uh Anderson and Suzuki was going to play a bigger role and that didn't really come to fruition and also I think the issue was if guys like Dale Weiss feel comfortable like hockey is a very close-knit fraternity so for even though he's not playing to come out and say that on Twitter and for a guy who is as respected as Shea Weber to kind of give his input about moving on from a coach I that just shows me it was just as much about the on-ice issues as it was, the off-ice issues as it was the on-ice product. Um, I also think what comes into play here is the special teams. Like, the power play and penalty kill were atrocious, and there was no no signs of improvement. And at this point, Claude is who he is. So I think Bergeron might have been looking at that going, we don't want another eight-game losing streak like we had twice last year in a 56-game season. Like, that'll tank us for our playoff hopes. And the other thing that I found interesting was um, when Boston fired Julian, uh, the Bruins were the best 5-on-5 possession team in NHL. They were tops in expected goal percentage and dead last in PDO. They fire him. Bruce Cassidy takes over, and the Bruins went from 24th in actual goals uh, at 5-on-5 to 6th and uh, 20th in points percentage to six, like in the same year. Same team, same roster, changed the coaching staff and the system, boom, transformation. And the Bruins have been, uh, they have the most wins in the NHL since Julian was fired. So I think you look at Montreal, who is the most dominant team at 5-on-5, five five, just like Boston was. So 5-on-5, five five, there's no issue really. But they're not producing based on our dominance. And I think Bergman might have looked at that and what happened in Boston and said, hey, maybe I bring in a young guy, Deschamps, and you get a similar response because the team's starting to tune out Claude. And also, the system might just be not made for today's NHL. That That was the one thing I was just about to ask you about
0: is that system. Has that system now run its course in just. I don't want to say it's irrelevant in the NHL because defensively, it is a good system. It does what it's supposed to, but. Do you think it just kind of construes the offense way too much? Because guys are thinking about it too much in the sense of,
1: if I can't get
0: this puck out,
1: I'm not playing the rest of the game. If Yeah, I mean, I think that also happened with Torts, where Torts had to evolve from his time with the Lightning and the Rangers, where it was all about blocking shots, defense, defense, defense. If you uh, strayed in any point from the game plan, to be creative offensively, he sat your ass on the end of the bench, and while Columbus is still a built around a defensive structure, he's loosened the reins a little bit. Um, with Claude, I also think it's the paralysis by analysis. Like he kept talking about it before the season started, we have s- such such depth, we have so many guys that are interchangeable, we have so many options, but then he never used it. So he kept his it's like he buried his head in the sand and was like trying to force what he thought was the right combinations, uh, during training camp to prove that he was right at the expense of the team. And he's probably not doing that on purpose, obviously. But I think that also like you look at that and you say, Why isn't he changing? I'm sure Bergevin talked to him and still no changes changes were being made. So I think as a head coach, this system might not be fit for the league. Right now, as an assistant, if you're looking to bring a guy in to a team who has a high powered offense, struggling a little bit defensively and a head coach isn't going to be insecure about having a guy like Claude on his staff, I think he might be a beneficial guy to bring in and help you turn your neutral zone game around.
0: I just think that at this point, I I don't want to say the ego is too big, but. Everywhere like he he's gone, yeah. I just don't think he would take an assistant role. I think at this point it's it's head coach or bust. And the other part is too. I mean, he, he's definitely a little bit older now, and yeah, who knows if he even you. yeah, like who knows if he even goes back to the game. If this was the last run around. At the same time, I mean, I wouldn't say that he left on his terms. It wasn't like it was the end of the year and he said, "All right, I'm going to resign." So maybe he does look for one more coaching job. In,
1: I, I mean, if that's the, if that's how he's thinking, at least he wasn't. At least he wasn't forced to leave because of his health, in a way, you know. Like I think that would probably sting a little bit more.
0: No, no, I agree. And I mean, th- that's the downfall of being a professional head coach. At some yeah. point, it's going <laughs> to run its course, you know. So it always does. It always does, no matter what. I, I just wonder as to if he does go somewhere, would it be? this season. I mean, I'm just going off of when last time the Bruins gassed him, it was three days later, he was the Canadiens' head coach. So
1: Yeah, it should take some time.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you'd think he'd at least take some time and kind of regroup and see where it goes, but all the best to Claude and the future endeavors as to where he ends up, and uh, hopefully that's just not the last of him. I mean, I'd like to see him just at least get one more go, and but yeah. hopefully it ends a little
1: bit better for him. And also, if I know Boston doesn't need any excuse to hate Montreal, but Alex Burroughs is now this, one of the assistants on the coaching staff. So there you go.
0: I, I did see that. Uh, do you ever wonder like how certain people transition into coaching? Like Steve Ott, for example, he was on that St. Louis Blues staff mm-hmm. that won the Stanley Cup, and it's like Otter was probably one of I don't want to say the worst players. Like he was sound defensively, but like good face-off guy, good face, like good team guy, good glue guy. But like that, you could just see it every game. Like he wouldn't shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like it was just like certain shit, and it's like, do you think like obviously a good assistant coach in the league? You know, you can't share all the shit with the head coach, but you know, you come in and you know, Odyssey, hey, did you go out last night? You get a little banged up. You get a little smile, a little, you know, elbow shrug, and, you know, you kind of keep going. So I I don't know. I I just wonder to see where Burroughs lands, especially with, I think for his teammates, he played very hard. I don't don't think that's a question in the room, but all that other shit he did that was kind of on the line that was a little bit greasy, and now you still have people out there that played against you, you know, bergeron marshland at least for the bruins and it's like some people aren't gonna forget certain shit like elon lucic in game (laughs) three of that 2011 stanley Cup, he almost fucking like deep
1: throated him with his fingers like he's so well listen if i'm bergeron i just look over at burrows and go there's a reason why i'm still playing and you're on a fucking bench
0: I mean, I just wonder if he'd say, hey, if I have my ring on, did it fit in your mouth? I don't know. Just (laughs) shit like that. But whatever. I think
1: it's always the guys that are like bottom sixers, like uh, lunch pail type guys that become assistants and kind of move into the league easier in in terms of joining coaching staffs because they couldn't just float by. They had to learn the X's and O's. They had to learn a PK. They had to learn a system to be able to stay in a league. And there's a reason why guys like Gresky aren't usually that successful um, as head coaches because they just don't have to think about the game in that way. It just happens.
0: Yeah, they're they're just that good. Yeah, exactly. And And those other guys, too, I mean, I don't want to say they're just not good teachers. Like, the other guys have to grind it out to be good at their craft. Some people just have that God-given talent, and it's like, I can't really teach you. I was just really good. I can't really show you what I did, you
1: know? Yeah, so. it's like, hey, why didn't you do that? And the guy goes, I don't know. And how, how did you do it? I don't know how to tell you how to do it. I just knew how to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, so since the coaching change, uh, more of the same for Montreal, uh, they lost uh, back-to-back against the Jets, and they're playing right now um against ottawa and it's tied 0-0 so we'll see if montreal is able to end that losing streak against the Sens. oh i hope the Sens pull out another one <laughs> um yeah so i thought you know we, we talked about like first coaches that could be fired uh in our season preview i had cassidy and it almost like for the first time i started getting some rumblings from you after that I lost to the rangers of, you know, if they don't have a bounce back game here, like he's going to be on a hot seat a little bit, but I definitely did not expect Julian to be the first guy. Well,
0: uh, I'll, I'll jump into my Cassidy take real quick. We'll, we'll touch more on it in Bruins and Rangers. We can review, but for me, that Sunday game was huge for Bruce because after the Friday game, we, we played like shit Friday and we didn't have that good game on Thursday against the Islanders. So back to back shitters. And those were our first games since the outdoor game. But before the outdoor game, we lose to Jersey. Not a very good game either. Mm. And then it's like after the Friday game, he calls out Corrali, Wagner, Bjork, DeBrusque, and then it might have been Connor Clifton as well. And he was saying that, you know, uh, these guys have NHL games under their hands they're not rookies anymore yeah and he was not happy with them and he even took bjork and wagner out of the lineup for that sunday game actually clifton too he, he took the three of them out he did not like them took them out and do
1: Debrusque, man like that's every game, like every game that we played against you guys this year and i know it's like a small sample size like he's just fucking there like there's nothing going on like you'll see him event at like once a period like Lead lead a rush along the end boards and then like that's about it for the rest of the game.
0: And that's why I thought that Debrusque was very crucial in this because he gets called out occasionally in the media. And usually after Butchie calls him out, he responds with an okay game the next game. If he didn't respond with the good game, I I'm I was thinking on my own that the media or management or someone is going to think that he's lost the room. And that's what's going to put him on the hot seat because of a player like DeBrusque. And, you know, when DeBrusque plays well and he's scoring goals, all is well with him. But when he's not, he's, like, on a different planet. Like, not yeah. in the same time zone. Like, he's just completely out of it. And I'm sure not having Kreechie doesn't help either, but... It doesn't help, but it's like he's been here now for a while. Like you now have to step up. Like you're, I don't want to say you're a distinguished vet, but I mean, you're definitely a veteran player. Now you've been here for over three years. Like, so come on, like show up, play. And you know what? In the playoffs, when shit's not working for you, you have to do the other stuff to win games. And I think that's the biggest thing with a player like that, where he just doesn't do anything. And, and, I was thinking that would be the reason why Cassidy might get gassed because if he can't get these younger guys to respond after bad losses or being called out in the media, do they need a different voice? Do they need something? So that was just my whole take on as to why there might be a change there, especially with we didn't look good at all. Like we looked like absolute dog shit against you guys on Friday. And after a loss like we had Thursday night, you would think that we would be ready to go. And we weren't at all. So it's like, is there more to it? I don't know. Like, we're battling injury, sure. But who isn't?
1: So Yeah, and I mean, at this point, we might as well just do a weekend review for the teams, especially since we played each other twice. But in terms of, like, the Friday game, completely unexpected, obviously, with their outcome. But it was basically it came off as Boston was kind of prepared to play one style of game and they were expecting a, re- a specific type of response from us. And when they didn't get the response, it kind of threw them off. And not that it was like a blowout game. I mean, it was 2-1. So I think it kind of threw them off their edges a little bit. And then once the Rangers got those two goals in 12 seconds, like that was that was it. Like they kind of checked out but on sunday everybody knew that there was going to be a different Bruins team to show up. like the Bru- there's a reason why the Bruins are contenders every year and I feel like I say that like once a podcast like there's they know what they're doing like the player like the players are self-pleasing in boston i feel like for the most part and a lot of that has to do with Bergeron but everybody knew you guys were going to have a different effort and your guys were going to adjust and still Quinn standing there with his thumb up his ass and the Rangers had no no answer for it and you guys had a very typical, hey, we're the Bruins. We're a good defensive team. We're a veteran team. I know it's how to win Stanley College. We're just going to shut you guys down and play our game.
0: Yeah, I mean at the Friday game after our Thursday game happened like this and this is like it happened from the beginning where we completely got the wind locked like right out of our sails. Yeah, yeah. That first shift, Marshan comes out, lays a hit on Fox. Fox gives him a whack. Marshan just completely drops the gloves, grabs him. The ref's there, sees that Fox I'm still has penalty, everything that, I don't know. The ref just kind of said, "Marshy, pick your stuff up, keep going. Fox went to the bench. Marshan went to the bench. And when that happened and there wasn't an actual quote-unquote fight and the play resumed, that was like our oh shit moment it was like marshy was like i'm gonna come out and make a statement i tried to make a statement it didn't work crap what do we do now
1: and then after lingering kind of ran around a little bit you guys were so focused on getting at him and you guys getting at lemieux for the whole game i mean they did their job but you guys were so focused on getting that shit handled instead of you know playing the game it seemed like
0: yeah, it just seemed like we were trying to start something else and that we just couldn't capitalize on it. Like, hey, if you know, if you want to go out and have a fight to change momentum, go out and do it. But we couldn't even do that. And then you guys were pinning us in our D zone at least three or four times for over 45 seconds. Like, we just couldn't do anything. And then once as we missed in that first period where we got by your D... About three or four times, clean with chances, and couldn't do any. Like yeah. that was it. Like we we were just dead in the water. We had nothing.
1: And can I just say that was part? The Rangers were very open leading into the game on Friday. Like they were telling us in the media. We feel very confident that if we get the puck in behind their young defensemen, they can't handle it. And because they said like after playing them a couple times, like we feel like we're very confident in that fact. And. I mean, we're proven right on Friday. Like, no offense, but your, your two young top four guys are not not ready for that role for a team that's expecting to, like, compete for a Stanley Cup. Like, Zaboral and uh Egan Island, like, they're not ready.
0: Oh, no, I mean, that that's v- that was Vax's
1: third game of the year. Like, just yeah, not like there. Yeah, like, he's not ready at all. Like, he's very weak too. that Kreider goal. Like, easily knocked off the puck and taken care of. Yeah, no, he's not
0: a... He's not a rough-and-tumble by any means. It's yeah. just the sweet in him, just kind of not good. Uh, Zaborl, that was his second game back from injury, I, I, I think. So maybe kind of just regaining it. But it, even then, he's one of those guys who, yeah, he he still needs work. And it's yeah. like with our other guys out of Miller and Grizzlick, and then it ends up being Lowe's on... We're getting down to our ninth and 10th defensemen. Like, yeah. Uh, we end up signing Tenorti, which we need. I mean, with those other two out, we need a person who has a bite. And we put him in the lineup Friday against you guys. I mean, I know we didn't sign him until Saturday, but it's like we needed him in there to kind of regulate where if Lemieux gets out of control, I am more than willing to take care of this. And well, that was yeah, just I one mean- thing we
1: didn't have. I mean Frederick was trying to get at Lemieux and for I, two fucking games and Lemieux was not having it because I mean, say what you want, like Lemieux was doing his job and he got Frederick to only be concerned about him. Like and, and Frederick's a young kid, but he's gotta like to learn. Like that's part of the game plan. And I will give credit to Lemieux, unlike some other quote unquote pests around the league. He'll he'll handle it when he needs to. Like he knows that there's a certain point where He can't just keep running around or running his mouth, and he'll drop the gloves, and he did that. I mean, it was the very end of the game. But, like, there's a reason why he does have a reputation around the league, but he doesn't have a reputation of, like, he's a bitch or a chicken shit. You know what I mean? And that's all you kind of ask for, for a guy who's going to be a pest on an opposing team, is, like, don't be a little fucking bitch about it.
0: And, I mean, talking about the bitch part of it, were you expecting a better response for when Richie fell on...
1: Georgiev's head there yeah and the fact that nobody on the ice at that time fucking did and I know Richie's a big dude like he's a fucking monster and he's basically a six foot four bag of meat Like that's power play goals aside that's he's a fucking meathead so obviously nobody's going to be like very happy about having to drop the gloves with him but I know he, you're like he's a shit skater there's no reason why he should have fallen Georgiev there like, that was basically—I don't think he intended to land on a dude's head, but he intended to land on Georgiev and inflict some type of issue there. And nobody did a thing. And it took Lemieux at the very end of the game, who is not our enforcer, he's not a big dude, to have to handle it. And that's what we are talking about for the last few weeks of playing, being hard to play against and being tough as a team— doesn't necessarily mean we need to have guys like jared tenorty it means we need to stick up for each other and handle business and i feel like the rangers very much have a reputation around the league now of you can walk into madison square garden and run over them and leave and not have to worry about having black and blues on a bus back to the airport
0: not, not a good look pal
1: no like if you're exp- i don't want to keep like rehashing the same thing it's just in certain ways, okay, we need to play tougher, so we'll put Kevin Rooney in a lineup who's fine as a fourth liner, and we'll put Dito Seppi and Smith. Like, it's like almost like the Rangers: one, they're not built for it, which is part of the issue, but two, the guys that they think can help them get that way, it's not a matter of hey, this guy is six-two-two-twenty, so let's just put him in a lineup; he'll be tough to play against. It's like, no offense, but. Phil D. Giuseppe is not tough to play against. Jack Johnson is not tough to play against. So. Oh, can
0: we speak about Jack Johnson real quick, too? That fucking cross check he gave to <laughs> Frederick's head, like, it, he's a bit of a fuck. For for an old timer, a guy who's
1: been around the block, like, he's a fucking bitch. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy that's not going to really drop the gloves, but that means you got to also not put yourself in a position where you have to drop the gloves. Like, There's no shame in being a guy like... Like, you look at Mika or Panarin, right? People know around the league... Like, Marchand doesn't look at Panarin and go, he's a fucking bitch. They just know that's not his game. He's a star player. Like, there's no shame in being a guy who is not going to really drop the gloves unless absolutely necessary. But at the same time, you don't see Panarin going around crush checking dudes in the fucking face.
0: I was going to say, when
1: Stignika came
0: over, I thought Stignika was going to kill him. Like, he came flying (laughs) over, grabbed him, and you could see in his face he was very excited when those refs got there. Very fast.
1: I do like Seneca. Like I like his game. At least the two games this week. Like very much a Boston mold player. I don't know if he's ever going to be a replacement for Krejci, but as like a three C, like I don't think there's going to be an issue there.
0: No, I, I think that's one of the other things. Of it took a little bit of while for the youth, and I mean it wasn't our our highest of draft picks, but. I feel like some of these kids are definitely able
1: to play. So Frederick's fun, man. Like say, if you want, he's also a tough kid, like going after Wilson, uh, as a rookie, as long as he doesn't kind of go into that territory of the dirty hits or whatever. Like we talked about this last week. If he can just be like a clean version of Tom Wilson, obviously not as big. Like that's, He's gonna be a fun guy.
0: Yeah, and I mean and like you said, he doesn't give
1: a shit either. Like <laughs> he he is ready to rock and roll. So I just love seeing him laughing like smiling as he talk like he just really enjoys his shit talking on the ice. Like he he especially when he gets it back from somebody. Like Lemieux giving him shit back made him smile like he's like yes all right and it helps him like get into it and i was like i love this kid yeah
0: he's a <laughs> sicko i like him
1: uh they did say after the
0: game i don't know if it was sunday or if it ended up being monday that he came out and already said like i don't like Mitt lemieux i've already asked him, him a couple eight. yeah i've already asked him a couple more times he like he's like he was jealous that uh richie got to go he, with him yeah
1: so th- that shows you the type of kid that he is where he wants to be in it so He's calling a 4-8 instead of by his name to show like a level of like, who are you? You're a nobody, but kid, you're a rookie. Like <laughs> That's relax. what makes that's him good. that,
0: that like that's good personality just from the get-go. I
1: like it. <laughs> um, do you have any, like obviously the win on Sunday was big for you guys uh, in, in a sense of, okay, we responded. Is this going to be a turning point, especially as you guys start getting healthy a little bit here? It sounds like Grizzly's not too far away. How far along is Krejci? Things like that.
0: Yeah, they said allegedly Krejci and Grizz are a go for tomorrow. Okay. Um I think these next two games against Washington are huge. It, it seemed like this year we finally churned the tide against them and to actually be able to continue that would be I, I think it's crucial for our season. It, it'd be one yeah. thing to finally get it past them, not just oh, that <laughs> I'm not cutting that. That's live. Um, thank you. But, um, no, I, I think it would just be one thing going forward, at least be a stepping stone for us, where they've had our number in the past, and if we're able to now finally get one over them, it, it would be very beneficial for us. And we need to figure out the Islanders. I, I don't know yeah. if it's just the Barry Trot system. We can't beat him. I mean, we couldn't beat him when he was the coach in Washington. Now he can beat Washington.
1: So maybe it's just Barry <laughs> Trotz. But yeah, they play a similar style to you guys in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, he just kind of locks it down on us. And I mean, hats off to Barry, where he, he, that system for him is so good. And then the one thing that he has going with that Islanders team is they know their chances. And whenever there's a turnover or they have an odd man rush they know how crucial it is to bury that puck and yeah the, we've seen it so um yeah i i think at this this point for us it's to get healthy uh hopefully grizzly can create your back and then we just have to go back to our original mentality of just one game at a time i i don't want to say we were overlooking people just but I think when we kind of put our, got our backs against the wall, instead of just going one shift at a time, bearing it out, we were already tuning out and looking towards the next game. So it's like mm. just one shift at a time, nice and easy. We We know our lineup. We know we can play and just be that effective
1: team that we are. And for us, it's like I'll just gently touch on a fact of, like I said earlier, everybody knew – Boston was going to make adjustments, and yet again, it proves to me that when you're, the Rangers face an obstacle, and their game isn't there, or their system isn't functioning against the uh, opposing team, there's no adjustment. It's hey, our system worked well on Friday against the Bruins, and we won 6-2. The Bruins adjusted, now it's not working well, and it's like, oh shit, I guess it's you know not going to work today. And that that's a consistent theme for me. Um, the other thing is, and I know this is partly due to injuries, you, you know, we got Philip back tonight. Uh, he's not taking face-offs, even though he's playing center, because he's still dealing with the hand issue. Um, but his speed tonight really stands out and highlights how the Rangers are just, like, not a quick team. Like, they're very much applauding, okay, we need to – carry the puck over the blue line, and then we sit up along the half boards, and then we save to the perimeter, and then throw shit on net, and also look for the one-timer for Mika or uh, Fox. And that's basically our offensive flow. And then you have someone like Heedle come in, who's just flying. And it really stands out about how slow we are as a team, outside of him, Kreider, and uh, Mika, when he gets going. Even Colin Blackwell stands out for his speed. Um, so that's one thing the other thing is I was bitching about Brett Howden to you this kid fucking sucks man and I've been saying this for over a year now and of course David Quinn loves him because he's a quote unquote sandpaper type player even though he never gets involved in the tough stuff Um, and I really hate this cliche of if a guy can't fucking score to save his life that equates him to be a good defensive forward like, you're not a good defensive forward because you can't score a fucking goal. Um, he contributes nothing in a face-off circle. He's a black hole in offense. He does nothing well defensively. At least once a shift, he falls on his fucking ass uh, at the f- first sign of contact. Um, and the Rangers have too many of that right now. I mean, Howden's the worst. But yeah, f- Phil Giuseppe, black hole. Howden, black hole. Um, Lemieux, offensively, black hole. Julian Gauthier black hole. And now we got Hedl back, so I kind of sludge Rooney uh, back down to a more appropriate fourth line role. But it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. Like, I know I get on Quinn a little bit, but it's t- tough to win when you have one and a quarter lines for offense uh, at this point. And the last thing is Panarin. I'm sure what happens, like when the news broke and everything else and having family back in Russia and trying to figure, out, figure all that out and kind of get your bearings about you. It's going to take time. But, like, we're going on almost two weeks now of a leave of absence. Like, is this guy going on a Tom Cruise covert mission to fucking Moscow or something? Like, there's nothing you can do. Like, you're going to be... All he's doing, he's literally at home in Connecticut. Okay, great. So you can't play hockey three nights a week and help your team because you need to be sitting at home and talking to people on the phone or talking to consulates or whatever. Like, you don't have the ability to do both. And I know people might say it's harsh. Oh, his head's going to be elsewhere. Dude, sorry, you're a franchise forward. You're getting paid big-time fucking money to play for us in New York. I totally get the initial leave of absence, taking a a week off, getting shit situated, finding out who can help you to get family out of the country if that's what you want to do. But now it's getting to the point of, like, are you just going to be sitting at home until Putin's voted out? Because that's going to be a long fucking time. So at this point, it's like, dude, we need you back. Like, we're struggling here. Get back to the fucking team. And I know that might seem harsh, but... Like... uh, Let's go, dude.
0: Well, I mean... It's like they said. If they believe that all this is fake, it's not real. At what point... Does he come back? Like, oh, what's he waiting
1: for? Yeah, and everybody said, oh, the Rangers wouldn't confirm this, but the reports were he took a two-week leave of absence. Okay, so what's the difference between a, the second week and a third week? Something? Are you going to be able to do something? Are you going to be able to sneak back into Russia and sneak your family out like it's fucking Argo? Like, all you're doing, all you can do is still be here. And if you're still here and you know your family's not in – even if his family was in danger, he can't do anything from here.
0: I was um, going to say, if he goes over there, they're picking him off. So, yeah, yeah. there's
1: nothing he could do. So, and I know at first, like, holy shit, my family. Like, if I found out my family or whatever was in trouble like that, obviously I wouldn't be playing the next game or next handful of games either because I want to make sure, like, I'm not going to be thinking about hockey if my family's in danger. But at this point, I think it would be kind of difficult for Russia and Putin to do anything to his family when the entire fucking world at this point knows that, hey, this accusation's going on and this has got a place for the New York Rangers. So if it's just a matter of waiting until they're, quote unquote, in safety or the situation calms down, yeah, I think, like, obviously not being privy to everything. If it's just the same story as we've been told since the beginning, like, start, come back to practice, dude. I like, mean, we
0: need you. I also don't want to, like, assume, but who knows what is currently going on behind the scenes? Like, maybe he's at the Russian embassy in New York all day, every day, trying to get his family out of there to be like, hey, like, this isn't safe. You guys know this. I'm front page news right now. I I need this done. So uh, maybe that's what's going on behind the scenes. But
1: if it's not, yeah, I'm kind of with you. like. Come on, bud. Yeah, I'm sure he's <laughs> calling people and talking to people and having meetings or whatever. But also, you get paid basically multi, like $9 million a year in cash. You can probably hire a law, law firm to handle this for you. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, he, he makes a pretty good amount of money, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, again, I'm not trying to say, like, oh, this is all bullshit. It's no big deal. Like, obviously, I completely understand the situation, especially early on. But there's been no developments and there's been no sign of like it's necessary for him to continue missing games indefinitely. So at some point it's like, what's the difference between coming back to practice tomorrow and next week? Like what's going to happen in that week is kind of like what I'm getting at. Uh, I hear you on that. So that's what I want to get across. I know it's a touchy subject because, uh, like you said, we don't know everything that's going on. But like at some point, you got to come back.
0: Well, speaking of coming back, we are playing buyer-sell, and we don't know if some people are indeed coming back to their teams that they're with now. Uh, who do you got on the buyer's market? Who do you got on the seller's market? Is there a certain few? I mean, we're going to have to touch on it at some point. I think Jack Eichel right now is the worst-kept secret in all hockey, and he wants
1: out in Buffalo. Well, so the Rangers are playing Buffalo right now, as we're recording. Carol Hall has one goal in the last 18 games. Now it's on opening night. Jeff Skinner has no goals and one assist on a year. And he's been healthy
0: scratch. They don't even want him playing.
1: Yeah, and last year was terrible for him, even before the shutdown. And that was after he signed that big uh, contract uh, extension to stay with Buffalo. So now you're looking at Eichel, who they tanked in everything for, who – Pretty much at this point wants out. So yeah, I agree. I don't know if he gets traded at the deadline. I feel like these type of guys always get dealt at the draft or whatever, right before first round pick's gonna be sent out. But I do know the Rangers have been hard after him. And it's funny seeing like the B guys in Buffalo talking about like potential trade packages and they always say like Lafreniere has to be a part of it. Oh fuck yourself. <laughs> Like, you guys need to get rid of that fucking contract. He has total control over where he's going, and you guys are expecting Lafreniere back in your deal. Like, you're going to get Vitali Kraus off and call it a fucking day.
0: Well, I was going to say, uh, we've been hearing the last couple of days that Jack is coming to the Bruins, and it's going to cost us either um, McAvoy and Frederick <laughs> or Posternak. And it's like, dude, Jesus Christ, man. Like, like so people get, still get think to that's,
1: a couple of prospects and a first rounder from Boston. Uh, if that's the deal. <laughs> like,
0: like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, don't get me wrong. I, I think Jack is a great player. But I think from all the stuff that we have seen coming back here of players that go to play in their home market, sometimes it doesn't really work out. It's just too much pressure, too many people calling. Yeah, it's hard to get in a pregame nap. Just. I, I feel like there's a lot there. Well, a pregame
1: nap. I'm not working for the Bruins.
0: Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> but, like, I like Jack Eichel, don't get me wrong. And it's going to kill me to say this, but, like, he's not Connor McDavid. No. And, I mean, if he's it not was. A, McKinnon. No, he's not that either. But it's like, okay, now I, I throw it at you. McKinnon or McDavid are are not happy with their current situation, they call Boston. They want McAvoy in a first. Do you do it? Only for McKinnon. All right, so so you're not doing it for McDavid?
1: Not doing it for McDavid simply because... (sighs) I just... His overall game. He's the most talented guy in the league. He's not the best overall player.
0: And, I mean, that's not a bad thing.
1: No. Like, I'm not saying, like, all of a sudden McDavid's like some fucking scrub. But McKinnon's a better overall player, and I feel like fits in better with Boston. Like, I'm looking at it specifically from a Boston point of view. Okay. If you're Buffalo, and, or not even, let, let's choose it, if you're the Islanders, you take either one of them. But if I'm Boston, I'm taking McKinnon over McDavid.
0: All right. And, I mean, we're on Jack, but... Sellers, I mean, Buffalo has to be selling everything. And for them, I I find it, this is like a churning point in an organization because yeah. last year at the end of the season, they only had X amount of guys coming back on contract. Like everyone was either UFA or RFA and it was uh, Eichel and Skinner were the only two basically coming back outside of uh, Dalim and Ristolainen on the back end.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I mean, McCabe's obviously, out for the year. McCabe's out. you got to think Taylor Hall's going somewhere at the deadline. Uh, Eric Stahl, UFA at the end of the year, he's probably going somewhere.
1: Tobias White- Ryder. Reinhardt's finally hitting his stride, finally.
0: And, I mean, good for him going into RFA. He might be able to yeah. get something <laughs> out of it. But it's like Brandon Montour on the back end, he's going UFA like I I can just see them shipping off pieces but if they don't even know what's happening with Jack or what his attitude will or won't be like that organization is in for a world to hurt
1: so here's the thing with the Rangers right if they trade for Eichel theoretically they have to choose between him and Sabanajad, who is UFA at the end of next season. And after the season he had last year, it was basically, okay, the Rangers are going to work out an Accenture of Mika, and then he's just had a terrible year this year. And now you're looking at a chance of, is this just a bad start? Because if the, if we need to make the decision on an Eiffel trade at the deadline instead of after the season, that means we only have 30 games to make a choice on choosing Eichel over Mika and if that's the case do you, do, do you think the Rangers try and make it where they trade for Eichel and put Mika 2C and have Hidal all 3C and then Mika just leaves as a free agent and we trade him or is Mika part of that deal to Buffalo if the Rangers make that move I think Mika's a part of that deal. I think... Did you you ever think it would be in a position after last year where Olsen it's like, Mika could be traded? No, but
0: I think that the Rangers are worried about his concussion history at this point, and if that's your biggest trade piece and you know it might be a little airy as to if he takes a check the wrong way or something else, and you can get Eichel in return, but you have to ship him off, and... I mean, Jack's a little bit younger.
1: Jack's a moose, man. Like he's a horse. Yeah.
0: He, he's built like a fucking brick shit You also
1: can't keep both of them, so it's not even like uh, exactly. I, I think at the together. end, yeah, at the
0: end, you're not going to be able to keep them both. So, yeah, I think the Bruins, the Bruins, the Rangers would
1: ship out Mika. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not trying to make this a full-on just Eichel discussion. In terms of sellers, I, I kind of broke it down on my end of teams surprise sellers because. You know, you look at the teams before the season starts, and you're like, okay, who's Detroit going to trade? Like, uh, where would those guys fit? Would that fit with the Rangers or the Bruins, or where would they go? So, we have a pretty good idea of the teams that we expected to be missing the playoffs this year that are still projected to miss the playoffs, and guys that they're going to move and the impact those guys are going to have. But for me, it's the surprise sellers that are going to change the market. If the market is changed, because, you know, you saw the 14-day quarantine and you have the flat cap. So who knows how active this deadline is going to be. But for me, I have two surprise sellers that are going to really impact uh, this year's deadline. Dallas is going to be a seller. I know they have a bunch of games in hand, uh, but they just keep sputtering. And I don't know, even with the games in hand, if that makes a difference. Because you're in a division with three out of four spots already claimed. Mm-hmm. Like, Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina already have that claimed. Yep. You still have Columbus and Nashville. Nashville is starting to turn around a little bit. And, I mean, Chicago is still right there. So, did they have enough to jump over four other teams to make the playoffs? After the start they had, maybe not. So, I think you look at Dallas of... Do they start breaking up that core of Jamie, Ben, and Tyler Sagan? Did they start building it around uh, Gary Onoff and calling up Dickinson and these guys and... uh Oh my God! What's this What's their first-round pick? Ty uh, Delandria, right? Yeah, D- uh, Delandria. Yeah, Delandria. So maybe that's a move there. Also, I think another surprise seller: Calgary and Vancouver. One of them is going to be selling.
0: I think at this point, I, I think Calgary is, and Calgary was already rumored over the off-season to be switching things up. Nothing came came to it. I think they've been skidding a little bit. Lucic came out of the media and torched the team, not the coach, the team. He said, it's us, it's not him. So now I think they need to live by that. And if, like, don't get me wrong, I know Milan Lucic is not the player that he was of the past. he's still
1: a respected veteran. He's
0: a respected veteran. I think he has a great handle as to what's going on in that room. So if he thinks something stinks, I think they're going to come to him and ask him what's up.
1: Yeah, they always talked about... Like, I think Sam Bennett is gone, no matter what. And I think he might benefit from a change of scenery. Um, but then you're looking at uh, Moynihan, who they were rumoring to be on the market in the offseason, and he wasn't moved. Johnny Goudreau, like, shit, he would look real good on the left side of Krejci. Um, but I feel like that's a lot of talent to start hitting the market if Calgary's going to start, like, retooling here. And it's a shame, because they had such good young talent they still have, I mean, they still do in a way. And he just couldn't get over the hump. And I got is one of those teams that I always kept rooting for, like, to go on runs here. I loved the way Goudreau played, like, Giordano, I respect. Like, just go on one run, and it just couldn't. It seems like this core couldn't get it done.
0: Well, that that Kachuk injury last year in the playoffs killed him. Like, yeah. if he doesn't get hurt, I'm pretty sure they beat Dallas. And mm-hmm. then who knows what happens
1: with them in Vegas, so. Yeah, so I have Calgary. I'm still not riding off Vancouver as being sellers because they're just as in bad shape as Calgary. But one of those two in Dallas as a prize sellers, I think the team that's going to be buying the most at the deadline just because of their cap situation coming into the year and also the even though they're kind of high up on the cap uh, limitations, fine actual money-wise that they're paying out this year isn't really that high or near the top of the league and they're finally turning things around i think florida is going to be making some moves yeah i mean florida's playing great
0: right now they need to capitalize yeah they're gonna have to solidify a run here and as to how they're gonna lock it down and do it but yeah i mean if they have another couple additions as to the way that they're playing there's no reason why they can't get deep into the playoffs
1: yeah, and it's defensively they got to improve upon a little bit. Uh, but what did you have written down in terms of how you're thinking these, these teams are going to go? So one team
0: for me, I think they're going to ride it right up to the actual deadline, is the Predators. Mm-hmm. I think that there are a couple of people here that, I mean, they may need to be moved around. Matt Duchesne went there, and he has done absolute shit. I just don't know just like what first. I I just don't know what your return is going to be for Matt Duchesne with a guy who couldn't cut it in Colorado, a guy who couldn't cut it in Ottawa, a guy who couldn't cut it in Columbus. Is there a market there? I don't I think it's know. It's
1: going to be tough to move him right now.
0: I think it's tough to move him. There's one other person.
1: Joe has been playing shit for like a year and a half now.
0: Joe Hanson, but I I think Joey plays a lot better than Duchesne does. Oh yeah, yeah. And now, if you're don't ta- looking don't there, say,
1: don't say it's little Philip.
0: I think it might be him. Oh boy. And if if they get rid of him, they need to rely on a huge return, whether it's impact players or whether it's prospects or whether it's draft picks. But
1: they're definitely think he's a franchise guy, or just like a quality top six guy, because that's what he's uh, been playing like for the last few years.
0: That's a tough question. I, I think. Philip Forsberg, if he is in a better market, is a franchise guy. Or at least marketed that way. Because some of the stuff that he does down there is incredible, but it's not front-page news. I I really like Philip Forsberg. One year left on his deal after this year, so a little bit easier to move.
1: Oh, that's tough. I mean... (laughs) Like, would you give up? a haul for him knowing mm. that you don't know if he's a franchise guy like he's like a Panarin you move for right is Forsberg like on that level like are you going to be willing to mortgage some of your future for a guy like Forsberg
0: I think I would have to see what the deal was but there's certain shit that I would definitely put in play with him okay but, like I would I would send debrusk there in a heartbeat oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would <laughs> I would ship out to I'd ship out a pick and a prospect and I'd see kind of where they, they sit with that. Um, other people on that roster that, I mean, I don't think Michael Grandlin's going to re-sign there. They'd ship him out. Eric Halla, the same thing. Um, I know Matias Ekholm has been the huge name that has been rumored, but Ryan Ellis just went on IR, so are they yeah. still now shopping him? I don't know. Um, At Dante Fabros, he can fucking play, man. That That, that kid's a player yeah um i I don't know uh, Nashville is it's a big question mark. I think they're taking it as close as they can to the deadline day, and they're gonna sit down and have to have a hard conversation as to
1: are we in it this year or are we not and yeah, the thing about Nashville is i mean I appreciate the fact that they they continually go for it, but it just seems like the last two maybe even three off seasons there's not really too much of a plan outside of, okay, let's get rid of the last guy that didn't work out as our 2C and bring in a next high price guy and try him out. And if he doesn't work after a year or year and a half, okay, let's eat money or eat prospects and picks and move on from him. Let's bring in the next guy. And it's like, that's not really a plan as much as playing fantasy hockey. Well,
0: I have one other question for you when it comes to a buyers and sellers market. I know this one is strictly buyer. I mean, sellers, but, uh, Do you think Dougie Wilson in San Jose does something drastic to try and save his job? Because I do not see him sticking
1: around at the end of this year. I don't, only because I feel like he's been with that organization so long that he, no, he wouldn't. I'm not saying he's jeopardizing their future, but. No, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying like, I don't think he would do something drastic to save his career at the expense in any way of the organization i think he has too much respect there i think he's too respected around a league to be like all right i'm going to trade this this and this to get a guy to come in and maybe we can make it as a wild card team and get bounced in the first round just to say like hey i made the playoffs
0: oh no no no. i think in the sense of they would sell in hopes of getting something better for the future whether it's picks or oh okay going the other way yeah yeah no i don't i don't see him buying just to try to make the playoffs I, i think they know they're dead in the water
1: yeah, I mean, my, the thought I kept having when I was doing this "quote unquote" exercise was there might need to be money involved, but I think Logan Couture is going to be moved. Wow. Okay. I think they're going to have to make they're going to make a decision this summer on who they're keeping: Brent Burns or Eric Carlson. Because that experiment's not working, and they're going to make decisions on a couple other guys. I think they need to restock the cupboard. I think. Dougie Wilson knows even if he starts that process at this deadline, he's not going to be the guy to see it through. I think they're going to, especially if they start rebuilding, Doug Wilson's not the guy you have as your GM to rebuild. So I think he knows this is his last little bit as GM of the Sharks, even if he begins that rebuild. Like, say they're David the Rangers, he's not around to see it through. So I think it's going to be like a similar situation. All right. He might move up to Team Prez and then have somebody come in and handle that rebuild, uh, but... Yeah, I think Couture's days are numbered, and I love Logan. I think he's gonna be—he could be a huge addition to a playoff team. Uh, they can fit him under their cap, and you know, you and I have been beating that drum since it happened. They made a huge organizational mistake keeping Carlson. Like neither of us like that deal.
0: That was a lot of money for a lot of question marks.
1: Yeah, that they could have put elsewhere, like you know, a goaltender. Um, but yeah, I think Couture is gonna be the Biggest name moved at the deadline. All right. Um, we already did our weekend review, so I guess uh, we can go into shout-outs. But before shout-outs, actually, no, I'll save it for shout-outs, even though it's it's hockey-related. Go ahead.
0: Oh, all right. Um I guess we'll do Game of the Week, Lock of the Week. Oh, yeah, Game of the Week, Lock of the Week. Shit, I'm uh, just fucking all over the place here. <laughs> I, I, like, game of the Week for me is tomorrow night, uh, Washington at Boston, uh, one and two when the Eastern Conference going at it, I I just think that's gonna be good hockey. Or I hope it is. I I I just hope they don't come out and fucking shit cook <laughs> us. So so that's what I'm hoping praying for. National game, and then I have my lock of the week the same night. I have the Colorado Avalanche at San Jose taking the W there. All
1: right, my lock of the week is March fourth. I'm going Florida on a road against the Natural Predators, picking Florida for that one. And my game of the week, this is a slight breaking of the rule because it's technically next week. It's next Monday, but usually we record on Monday, so it like, fits into our window. But I'm going St. Louis at San Jose just to see what happens with Bennington. <laughs> hey, you never know. It might, might be a, a little free for a little Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what the fuck Carlson said, but Bennington... Uh, was not having it i will say if we're looking for an upset alert
0: i have sunday march 7th ottawa at calgary uh calgary plays the night before in edmonton and then they have to fly home and you know how those games can get and ottawa's sitting there waiting for them so i think that could be a trap game so i'd probably bet the the senators in that one
1: wait no way you're going you're going positive with the senators huh hey (laughs) it's all about the mindset pal all right um my shout outs really quick, two of them like I said, hockey related. First one is former Ranger, i uh, scored some big goals for us in the playoffs. Derek Stefan, uh out for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. He's having surgery on a torn labrum, so best wishes to him. And also news came out today, Sidney Crosby is in concussion protocol. He actually tested positive uh for COVID, so well wishes to him as well.
0: I saw that about Stepan. That was upsetting. I, I thought he was doing a really good job up there with the younger guys. So definitely going to be missing his leadership in the room. Now, with Sid testing positive, there has been no one else that's been put into a protocol or anything else. As of right now, it's just him. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see if the Penguins can keep rolling with that. I mean, currently playing the Flyers, and they are up 3-1 to one after 2. So we will see... Uh, what happens with that hopefully there's no outbreak with the penguins
1: yeah they said so he's in protocol i've seen some like pittsburgh guys tweeting that uh he tested positive but there's been no official confirmation but i'm just going with the local guys
0: oh uh one other game tomorrow too if if people are on the watch for toronto at edmonton it got a little nasty at the end of the game last night uh, edmonton <laughs> yeah edmonton was not too happy uh Mike Smith got ran a little bit, so at the end of the game, uh, Darnell Nurse figured he was going to get right into Freddie Anderson's kitchen, and there, there was a scrap at the end of the game with Dermot. and I, I just think that there might be a little bit of message sending. I think the Canadian division is uh, taking its toll on the boys up north, and they are uh, getting a little feisty.
1: You're being very generous calling that a fight, but uh Yeah. I mean, it, it was a wrestling <laughs>
0: match, but but on his way to the bench, he, he was pointing. He was telling him the whole way down the runway. He was telling the bench. So uh, I'm just hoping that there's a little bit of carryover, make it a little nasty.
1: Yeah, and uh, I guess since we're adding Spitting on Spit in his to mouth, it, Jerry! <laughs> since we're adding on to it, uh, I'm taking a preemptive uh, best, best wishes and your future endeavors to Blue Jackets head coach John Tortorella he received a dreaded vote of confidence from his GM today in Ohio. So the clock is now ticking. (laughs)
0: Oh, God, yeah, that's never good. Uh, Shout-outs this week. I'm going to shout-out in in a week, Benny. I don't know if you know this or not, but Mike had another mystery baby. So um, (laughs) uh, a shout-out mystery baby number two just came down magically conceived, and it just arrived. So congrats to them. Um, Who do I have? You know who I got? I got my little guy. Cam has been extremely good lately. He has been funny, listening. Uh, I'm giving a shout out to the little man. He's been good. He's been fun to hang out with. As long as you keep feeding him those dino
1: nuggets, he's going to be A-okay.
0: Always. I, (laughs) I ask him every night, it's now a joke. And I'm like, hey, buddy, what do you want for dinner? And he's like, I always eat dino nuggets at dinner and I'm like, Oh, all right. I'm sorry, buddy. I am just
1: asking. So
0: yeah, th- don't ask him that's, what he's that's having. That's part of his retainer. That's yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, step one dino nuggets and then step two, we play the Nintendo switch. So, <laughs> so you know, j- just try to keep uh, the schedule according to plan. That's all. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening. And, uh, Wow, we brought it up to the hour mark again, Benny. What are the odds? But, uh, yeah, we will see if there's anything that happens this week, whether buying, selling, sports having a job, if another coach gets fired, does Eichel move. I feel like this season and these next couple of weeks are going to be a little wild and crazy as to the whole landscape and the future look of the NHL. And until then, we will catch you all on the flip. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.